Welcome to the 4th Down Experience, the podcast devoted to special teams. Your host of the 4th Down Experience, former pro free agent, nine-year professional kicking coach out of the Midwest, Coach Chris Hughesby. Alongside Coach Chris Hughesby is a former two-time Arena Bowl champion, nine-year pro kicking coach repping the South, Coach Brian Jackson. Welcome to the 4th Down Experience Podcast, Episode 6. We have a great one for you today. Chris, how are you doing, man? I'm doing great. Things are going well. It was just nice to see you this last weekend, Brian. Exactly. I'm missing you already, so I'm getting my Brian fix today, so thank you. <laughs> and filling is mutual. So yes, what do we sir. do this weekend, Chris? What what do we do? So we ran our second annual December mini camp up here in Minneapolis, Minnesota. Uh, last year we ran a kind of a two-hour mini camp for a uh, high school division and a college division. And today, or sorry, this weekend, we ran a three-hour segment. Ended up having 28 specialists come, and it was a fantastic training opportunity for everybody. Brian Jackson helped staff the camp, which you guys all know about. Obviously, I staffed the camp. We brought in Peter Mortel. Holder of the Year Award. That's right. Uh, We brought in John Ostertag and a number of other great and fantastic uh, um, instructors to help run this one. So we thought it was a great pound-for-pound staff event, and we really helped these guys develop their techniques. So it was really fun. I enjoyed it. Yeah, a lot of talented specialists up there in Minnesota. We even had a – what state was the other guy from? North Dakota. Yeah. A guy from North Dakota come, and we basically just worked on fundamentals and and uh, detailed training, and got those guys better. And I really enjoyed that mini camp. And we have another mini camp coming up uh, here in the South. Uh, we call it the New Year's mini camp. Uh, it's the fourth year doing it. Uh, I'm going to try to have Chris come down to it as well. It's actually in about nine or ten days, uh, December 30th, uh, for college uh, specialists and high school specialists at Pearl High School in Mississippi. Uh, just go to TeamJacksonKicking.com for info for there. And as we transition into our first segment, we're going to talk about all of the specialist awards uh, by ESPN and NCAA. And uh, Chris, uh, what do you got to say about that? Sure. So since we are a specialist podcast, we feel it is right to acknowledge the specialists that earned an award for being the top kicker, punter, and holder in the NCAA uh, Division One division. So uh, the guy that earned the Luke Rosa Award for the nation's best place kicker is Matt Gay from Utah. Yes, super talented. Uh, had an unbelievable season. Uh, he actually walked on the team during preseason camp and made the two deep at place kicker, and then he was put on scholarship in October of 2017. Uh, he won the Luke Rosa Award, got All-American honors. He made 25 field goals. He actually averaged wow. – 2.27 field goals per game. He attempted 29, so he went 25 of 29 on the season, had five field goals uh, farther than 50 yards, and uh, he led the nation in percentage 11th. <coughs> so he did a great job, uh, and he definitely was very worthy of winning the Lou Groza Award. Nice. All right, so moving on to the nation's top punter, the Ray Guy Award. Uh, winner was Michael Dixon of 
University of Texas. So congratulations. A little golf clap for both you guys. Nice job. I know that was kind of like a uh, heated debate between several specialists and, and different coaches on who should win who should win that thing. And uh, But, hey, man, that he won it, and he's, he's very deserving of it. That's right. And last but not least, our Holder of the Year Award winner. And I think we announced it in our last podcast, but since we're talking about all the award winners now, let's, let's bring it back up. Oklahoma backup quarterback, Connor, congratulations. Shout out to Holders, baby. I know Peter Mortel's uh, uh, excited about the whole process of that, and it was really cool getting to see him at the mini camp this past weekend and kind of getting to talk about all that stuff and uh, congrats to those those fellas. One thing that's pretty interesting, though, on those awards, the Lou Groza thing, is uh, you know Auburn kicker Daniel Carlson from from Auburn. He uh, he made the final three three times out of his four year nice career. Nice work. Nice like, work. That's impressive in itself. <laughs> yep. So guys, congratulations. Uh, good luck in, in the next things that you do with your life. And, and Connor McGinnis, congratulations on holding your kicker's footballs really well <laughs> and, uh, and carrying on the legacy of the third annual uh, Peter Martell Holder of the Year Award. And before we get into a really awesome story that Chris is going to talk about, let's quickly talk about our special guest today. Chris, what do you have on him? We are excited to have on this podcast here a former NFL punter as well as a punter that has won the last NFL Europe championship and actually if you guys remember from our last podcast when we interviewed matt bryant he was a part of nfl europe as well but a fantastic punter fantastic guy ryan dutton so we are excited to give him a call here shortly and and uh, interview him and just talk about his life and what it was like for him being in the league definitely i i'm excited about this interview he's he's on standby uh, ready for us to give him a call uh, before that, let's talk about this awesome story up in Minnesota. Uh, Chris, t- talk to us about this guy. Sure. So a really nice story here. Obviously, we love different recognitions of people and the things that they do. And, and just recently here, the news talked about a story. This athlete's name is Danny McCoy. He is the holder for extra points and field goals for the Moose Lake High School football team up here in Minnesota. Uh, a unique situation, he is partially paralyzed from the waist down and in a wheelchair, but still participates in high school football and holds for his football team. So uh, the news, news segment that aired was awesome. Uh, he got the opportunity recently to go to the Minnesota Vikings Stadium at U.S. Bank Stadium and work with the specialists, you know, the, the Vikings kicker, holder, or Vikings kicker, punter, and snapper, and actually hold for them and, and receive snaps from their snapper and, and hold for Kai Forbath and just, a, just an awesome opportunity and, and, and giving him a, a great uh, experience. Yeah, it was and pretty then, cool uh, watching the video on Facebook. You guys can actually find it if you go to Facebook and search CBS Minnesota, and it's on WCCO TV, and you'll find the video. Uh, he actually just goes out there and, and on his wheelchair, and he, he gets down, and he actually gets – some like bullet snaps from the Viking snappers and and he does a really good job putting him down and Kai's just crushing him through so I think that's a great experience for that young man exactly and then in the end of the story the Vikings surprised him with two tickets to the Super Bowl which will be held in Minnesota this year so holy smokes 
Yep, pretty sweet. So we'll also post it on the 4th Down Experience Facebook fan page as well for you guys to watch. Nice. And heading into our second segment of the 4th Down Experience podcast, we have an awesome guest here today. He is a Hall of Famer, not only in football, but in baseball from Minnesota State. He was a punter, the Cleveland Browns, the Seattle Seahawks, the Green Bay Packers, the 49ers, and the Raiders. He also was a world champion in NFL Europe with Amsterdam Admirals. Let's give it up for Ryan Dutton. Hey, guys. How's it going? That's a a heck of an intro. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, those are quite the credentials, man. (laughs) I just want to... But it has been. But it has been. Yeah, all right. That's good stuff. Those are just little highlights. You know, there's still a whole, like, book, a laundry list of of stuff here that Hughesby sent me that I didn't even say. (laughs) Like I said, I've I've been studying up, Chris. Chris got a good test put together here, so let's let's, let's do it. Well, we've been uh, we've been listening, to, we've been uh, getting feedback from our listeners, and they love the insights that uh, you know these professionals and former professionals are giving on what it took to get to these certain levels. So, uh, you know, we like to have fun and, and dig a little deeper than everybody else. So, uh, so uh, let's uh, let's give it a go here now. So, uh, so you've uh, you've been out of the league just for a little bit. Before we dig into that stuff, what was life like for you as a as a recent former professional? What are you doing these days? What's life like? I am uh, I'm in Northern California, so an import <laughs> out here to California. I grew up in grew up in Wisconsin, so but I've been here about ten years. Uh, uh, my wife is a uh, we live in the area that my wife grew up in. Uh, she's a teacher, and the, the, we actually work in the same school district. She's a PE teacher uh, uh, for the high school and the elementary, and then I'm uh, I'm the principal at the high school. I also get to teach uh, a few classes. I teach uh, the workout weight training class. We have a personal finance class and um, a landscaping class, kind of random. So building stuff, taking care of the campus grounds. But um, and then I got my eight year old girl, seven year old girl, and then a, a newborn, almost three months. She is a third girl, so I am. I'm working on getting rid of the Dutton name. I'm doing a good job of it, I guess. Right? <laughs> yeah. You are outnumbered. Oh my gosh! Not even not even my pets are are, are male. I can't even get a male pet around here. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! No, I love watching your uh, your Snapchat and and your Instagram posts. Uh, it's it's funny, man, and it's pretty cool because like. You're a guy that, uh, you know, Chris and I was looking up to, like, when we were going the free agent route, when we were 22, 23 years old. I mean, we remember your name, Ryan Dutton, and, and you know, you were hitting your prime as an NFL punter, holder, and, you know, backup quarterback, too. Uh, so, I mean, uh, we're just excited to have you on, man. And, and, and a lot of people, probably like 80% of the listeners, maybe even higher, have never even heard of NFL Europe and and realize that, that people actually made a pretty good living and got funneled back into the NFL. So we're excited to talk, yeah. about, talk about that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm just I'm stoked to be able to kind of come back down the ladder and then also get a chance to chat with you guys. Uh, we don't have uh, – the school I work at is a real small school, so no football. we got everything except football, and uh, I don't get my fix, but a couple times a year that I talk to you guys or come to your camp, so I appreciate your inclusion and with me too sweet so 
because you have such a unique career, and like Brian said, some people probably haven't even heard of NFL Europe, but that was around during my my prime and, and Brian's yeah. era. So our, our adult listeners would probably love to hear about this because they knew about it. But your unique story starts, you know, you weren't a big time Division One punter. You know, you didn't go mm-hmm. to the, the big Power Five schools. Where did you go to college? What positions did you play? And let's just sort of talk about the college route initially, and, and let's just let people realize that you don't have to be a power five kicker, punter, long snapper to, to make it. So let's just talk about the college career for a moment. Yeah, no, no, definitely. It's In fact, it's kind of funny. As you talk to people in the fraternity, you know, you get so many of these kickers and punters and even long snappers that are, you know, D3, D2, these guys that, um, you know, can do it. I, I talked to some of our kids, like at the high school here, that are like cross-country runners or track. We're a tiny school, but I was like, you know, if you can run, it doesn't matter. Uh, you can run this time. Who cares? You know, just like kicking a football. And I know there's different arenas. Like you got, you know, D1 big crowds. But I mean, if a guy can kick a ball, uh, a guy can kick a ball. And, and the, you know, the issue is just getting yourself noticed. And for me, that was after college. It was it. You know, I went to college. I wanted to. I got recruited by some big schools out of high school to do, you know, like either play baseball or, or punt or you know, maybe give a chance at quarterback at some smaller smaller Division One schools, you know. And for me, it was just, I guess, kind of that high school ego thing. You know, you want to do all of them. And uh, Minnesota State was one that was willing to let me uh, do both. Uh, a few of the Division One schools said, you know, we can try it. But everybody I talked to said it was, you know, real, real difficult, almost impossible to try to do both. And, um, you know, hindsight sometimes you say, hey, like, you know, for example, I could have, had the opportunity to punt at University of Iowa, and you think, but that would have made a difference. I don't know, maybe, but how can you, uh, how can you predict at that point? So the great thing is that I got to play baseball. We had a great baseball program at Mankato. Was able to play quarterback uh, towards the end of my career and punt for four years, and you know, really, really good experience. Uh, great school. Um, at that time, was a highly competitive uh, league. Not that it's not now, but. Uh, when I was playing, that was uh, late 90s, early 2000s, uh, a lot of schools that went Division One hadn't left yet. So, like, we played against North Dakota State, North Dakota, South Dakota State, Northern Colorado, uh, in a really good competitive league. And, you know, we were fighting to just kind of stick middle of the pack. But got to play, uh, got invited to, uh, was able to play in the Division Two All-Star Game. Uh, I think it's a Cactus nice. Bowl. I don't know if that's... Is that still what it's called? Is it a Cactus Bowl? Do you, either of you guys know? I, remember I don't know. Sure. Yeah, so, hey, clear, clear this up real quick. So, I think uh, Chris helped me out with this. For a lot of our listeners that are outside of, uh, you know, Minnesota, Wisconsin, Illinois, and all right. that. Like all the other listeners in the South and the West Coast, East Coast, all that. So, is it is it Mankato State or Minnesota State or both? Well, not... Now, so when I first went there, it was Mankato, and then it changed to Minnesota State as I was leaving. But I think, and Chris, you might know, officially it might it might be Minnesota State University at Mankato. Is that what, they, is that what the official title is now? Yes, I believe so. And as a matter of fact, I was looking up some box scores a moment ago because Minnesota State Mankato is – they made it to this, the, the, the playoff quarterfinals of Division Two football. So I was just looking it up. Right. So that's the title that it has. Okay, so it's a Division Two program, and it was D2 when you played, right, Dutton? 
Correct. Nice. Okay, cool. And I think this was the same team, Chris, that we talked about on an earlier podcast where a kid hit like a 63-yard field goal, right? Yes. Okay, cool. yeah, Dutton, you remember that too. Same school, yeah. Cool. All right, so what Like, what kind of – okay, so you got in the Hall of Fame, so explain that for like two different sports. Kind of talk about that. Yeah, I mean, uh, man, I, I guess, like I said, when I think back now, it actually was the perfect – you know, choice or fit versus, you know, should I have tried to go to a bigger school? Uh, the the baseball coach there was just a, I mean, a legend type of guy there for 30, 40 years. Great baseball coach. I got to play, um, got the pitch starting out, and later on I got to got to play first base. And and you know, when I wasn't pitching, got to got to play. It was just like, you know, it was the perfect setup. And then his the baseball coach's son-in-law. So this guy married our baseball coach's daughter. He recruited me. In football, he was a defensive uh, backs coach, um, you know. So that, and he was a real uh, supporter of mine, and with like playing quarterback and doing both. And um, I mean, believe me, it was it was tough because you know, in fall during fall football, you know, I had to go to baseball practice after football practice. Uh, in the spring during spring, you know, for baseball, I had to go to like spring ball. I had to go to morning conditioning with football and weights and all that. So it was definitely you know a sacrifice, but. Um, uh, you know, the, the people I got to play with and the success that we had and, you know, ultimately ending up in last year going back to get put into the Hall of Fame was, uh, and, uh, you know, of course people like hearing, you know, you're hearing people talk about you. It's it's a builder, self-confidence, but, uh, you know, I hadn't known and these people were saying that, you know, I was one of the best athletes I'd ever seen at Mankato because I was able to do, you know, all that stuff and it's, it was very humbling, very, very cool experience. So, now, But you, crazy how it ends up being just, you know, a punter, leading into, into just punting because, you know, who would think that in the beginning, right? Right. So, I mean, what's attractive about you, too, is, is not only, obviously, your punting skill and, and your six-foot-five frame and, and your directional punting, but you're a lefty, and that's attractive to, to special teams coordinators, you know, at the college and the professional levels. But were you also a lefty uh, pitcher? Uh, no, uh, all mixed up, man, all mixed up. I don't know how it happened, <laughs> but I, I, I batted lefty, but I threw righty. Um, <laughs> shoot, I remember those swinging, swinging like a baseball bat lefty, but growing up uh, on the lakes, I never played organized hockey, but like growing up on the lake, I, you know, would slap shot righty with the hockey stick, and it just, nothing kind of, you know, coincides, it goes together, but I don't know, it's weird. I got you. You're just ambidextrous, man. You can do it all. <laughs> yeah, you're probably holding your baby as you're doing this podcast right now. You know, I know, right? Yeah, that's what I was like. Maybe I should do that. I'll, I'll see how good I he see how good I really am. Shoot. Cool. All right, uh, but see. no, I, I mean, I can even if we're, I know I don't mean to fast forward, but like, you know, my stints with Oakland and San Francisco were 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 uh, practice squad, but um, they both would put me on the practice squad when they faced left-footed punters. Uh, and maybe there's more left-footed punters, you know, today in the NFL, and that's an attractive thing. But I remember when my agent kind of pumped pumped that, and I knew some people in the personnel departments, and they, it was like, yeah, well, this is worth it to us to have our returners see left-footed punts oh. during the that's week. And I was crazy. like, you know, it wasn't like they were really going to – I mean, it was Shane Leckler and Andy Lee, you know, but for me it was something that I got to learn and watch those guys, watch Shane and, and Andy punt every day. What do they do? And, I, you know, I knew that – their job wasn't up in the air, and I didn't have a really a chance to, you know, play that Sunday. I mean, God forbid something would happen that got hurt, but 
you know, for me it was an opportunity, not just for, you know, financially, but to go in there and be like, man, they, they really do like, maybe that they like left-footed punters, but they don't see them very often, so they want the returners to catch left-footed punts. It was crazy. Right, but, so, so for our listeners, uh, just so, because even like if I would be listening, I just want to understand what's going on here, and, and maybe most people are, some people aren't. Um, yeah. So like, you're not necessarily on the team, and there's only X amount of players in the practice squad where you get you still get paid some decent money. When th- what I'm hearing from you is, and I didn't even know this actually, uh, which is kind of cool because I've been friends with you for a long time. But what I'm hearing is the team is about to play against a left-footed punter. Hey, let's sign Dutton to the practice squad. Uh, he's going to make you know six figures real quick. You know, not six figures, but, <laughs> but as far as no. as far as from a weekly basis. Right. That type of salary, you know, it may have been 15, 20 grand, but you get that for a week or two because you're punting to the team's returners, so they're prepared to punt, or I mean to catch left-footed punts. Is that correct? Yeah, man, the the, the specialty in that and the you know, eyebrow raising, um, and I, I can't remember how many guys at that point, if it's the same, I think it was like, it was, well, whatever, a handful of guys, but literally... You know, at that time with the AFC, I can't remember the punters. You know, like the Broncos, I think, had Micah Knorr, who was a left-footed punter for a while. Uh, the Chiefs had Dustin Colquitt still. He's been around forever. Yeah. You know, so they so the Raiders playing the Chiefs, you know, bring me in. And one, you know, for, for Leckler's sake and for the Raiders, it gave their starting punter a break. I know some people would probably say, what, what the heck are you doing wasting a practice squad spot with the, with the punter? But literally... Uh, you know, Shane, the starting punter would obviously punt, you know, their first team reps. I'm not going in there and doing that. But literally, so I got to warm up, you know, hang out. I could use the weight room. And then at the end of practice, you know, bam, we had we had the snap and the live kicks. And literally every day, I mean, maybe it was only 25 kicks or so. But, uh, you know, the special teams coach just asked me to do this and do that. And you hit a bunch of balls and go back to the hotel and, come back and do it again the next day but um really like i said opened my eyes and said listen you've got to you know work on this if you could become one of those you know left footed punters that they're that they're quote unquote maybe you know worried about or want the returners to see because it i mean for the listeners out there that that are better punters kickers your football people they understand the the difference in that because some people might say what the heck is the difference well you know when when returners see right-footed kicks forever and ever and then, the, and then the left-footed kick is turning and spinning and, and falling differently. You know, it throws them off. So, and uh, yeah, that was and that was actually an opportunity at the time in my career while I was, um, you know, kind of trying to make my way back uh, after the injury and stuff. So it was, for me, it was like whatever I can get uh, after my injury uh, to get back into the into the league. So, but a really nice. cool experience just because it was something that they were both willing. You know, to do and, and want their uh, you know returners or special teams program to see. Nice. So Ryan, I, we got a slew of questions about your NFL career and NFL Europe. I got a, one more question to just take it a step back while you were still in college because I want to kind of inspire hope for these other specialists. You know, that sure. either AR high school looking to try to find a college so they, they can realize, like, hey, if they got a good leg, they, there's still a chance. Or even these college guys, I'm starting to get a, t- a few D2 guys asking me about pursuing the next round. When you right. were in college at Mankato State at a Division two school, 
when did you realize you maybe had a chance to make it to the next level? Or how, how did you figure that part out? I mean, I, honestly, it probably wasn't until, you know, pretty much, you know, after my career. I mean, everybody has the dreams and, you know, you got whatever sport you're playing, you're going to be the next whoever it is, you know. But, uh, I mean, my statistics were good with the football and then getting offered to go to the to the D2 game and having a couple of scouts say, hey, you know, you got work at it, you got a good leg, blah, blah, blah. And then you know, getting with an agent and, and, and getting a chance to uh, – to kind of see what other guys are, you know, in the NFL. But I mean, nowadays, with what you guys do, and with what some of the other kicking coaches do, as far as like the free agent stuff, I mean, that is unbelievable. Because uh, I mean, there was a few that were that were going on when I was coming in. But you know, if you didn't get yourself a workout or get you, have your agent get your workout, there wasn't many places you could go to showcase your talent. And I, you know, I don't mean to sound like cliche like the like the Eminem song you know you get one shot yeah. one opportunity but I mean literally I know maybe a few people knew of my name or they had seen me at workouts but I went to one of Paul Saad's kicking camps in uh, Florida and it was a you know free agent tryout I, Brian I believe you might have been I don't know if you had that one I think you might have been at that one yeah I think it was you know but there was probably I don't know maybe 10 to 12 NFL teams, but it was like one of those things where, you know, I, like you said, Chris, I wasn't coming out of whatever and winning the you know Ray Guy Award, and I, but I just had a day where everything I hit was like the perfect ball, and, and all of a sudden the next morning you got like six, eight, ten contracts on the table and trying to decide when yesterday you were essentially a nobody, um, you know. So yeah, Chris, I mean, it's like it's one day you're not, and the next day you are, and I'm telling you these. I was sort of intimidated first, you know, going out and training with these guys in California. Like, oh, he went to, he went to San Diego State. He went to, uh, you know, Oregon. Yeah, this and that. And you're comparing the schools, but when it comes down to it, you know, most of those guys can hit the big ball. But what these kids are going to learn is like, can you do it consistently? Can you hit the directional ball? Can you not be um, a risk? Like, are you good? Can you catch every ball? Can you make? You know, so that's the thing that these kids in it, that they got to understand and that hopefully puts hope in it for them because, you know, you can make it. Just because you're not kicking for Clemson in, on, in a national championship game uh, has no say in, in, you know, your chance of making it to the next level. Yeah, you know. Which I wish, they, I wish NFL Europe was still around. I wish I had something for these guys to develop because that, that kind of took my career to the next level. It helped me stick around a couple more years you know the NFL players got their personnel got to see you know me kick the ball in game situations and and some of these guys that don't make the rosters they got nowhere to go but the free agent camp so yeah. hopefully someday that'd be nice to get another development mental league going yeah you know I'm gonna correlate what you said uh to put it per into perspective especially for these college guys and high school guys so you, you had just said a second ago, you know, you went to a pro free agent uh, specialist camp down in Florida, yeah. and, you know, there are tw 10 to 12 scouts there, and you happen to just have your A day where you just yeah. kicked lights out, and that was just the time that God had planned for you, and you just killed it, right? So yeah. the same thing for these high school guys going to these college camps and, and even uh, kicking camps that we put on that you've been to with Chris and I is – some some days you may go go try out at South Alabama's camp and and lay an egg, and then then you end up going 
over to West Georgia's camp and you just kill it and then they offer you. Well, maybe the stars align that that's where God had planned for you is to, to be at West Georgia and sure. meet your future wife, whatever it is. And so the same thing with a couple guys right now. Like there was a guy that um, went through our camps uh, five years ago, uh, the Southern Specialist Camp that Chris and I first did um, by the name of Tyler Newsom. You know, yeah. he uh, was a kicker and he, he kind of punted and he happened to have really good punt film at our camp and he thought he was going to kick at the next level and he just went up to Notre Dame and uh, his camp and he just had exactly what you explained. He just had an A day of punting in which he didn't even think he was going to fathom doing and he's been on scholarship uh, starting for Notre Dame the last, uh, I think, two two or three years. And, and even in the same regards, there's a guy by the name of Corey McCullough, who's at Alcorn State, uh, FCS school, D1AA program. And, you know, he had several FCS D2 offers and a couple preferred walk-ons. The kid went 17 for 23 on field goals this year and, and is up for an FCS Great. All-American. So I think these kids need to understand that it's the same thing with the NFL level. You just have to have your day, and then when you don't have your day, to not stress too much over it and, you know, and no. just make a mountain out of it. Yeah, that's world. something that's, that's a learning curve. I mean, because, you know, they're looking at, like, it's, like I said before, they're looking at, of course, they want to see, you know, a big ball, but they're, they're they, special teams coaches are, are quirky dudes or gals for the most part, you know, like, quote unquote, the punters and kickers. It's like, they don't want anything that's going to, you know, screw up the system mess up with what's going on, you know, take away, take a chance at, at their job. It's like consistency. It's this boring, the same uh, thing, I mean, every day. And it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's a it's a broken record. But, I mean, I, I'm a believer in that, you know, people are going through their trials and tribulations, you know, for a reason. So if it wasn't meant to be, it wasn't meant to be. So, you know, don't force it. There's another opportunity, you know, I've laid the egg uh, at workouts myself too, you know, against uh, guys that are in-season workouts at teams that I could have, could have, you know, maybe won the starting job when I was playing and and just wet the, you know, wet the bed, I guess, and it was just like embarrassing. But you know, you come back and you get another opportunity and and uh, and you move on. Yeah, it's you're right, but that's that's cool hearing those stories about those couple kids. So Ryan, all right, so. Now you are transitioning to the NFL. You said you had a great uh, Division II All-Star Game uh, performance. Was was that what got you your foot in the door with some of these uh, contracts, which eventually led to the uh, Cleveland Browns, or did you have a tryout that you had that really just opened up that door for you? Uh, I mean, I, I think, uh, and you know, you never know because, like, you know, a lot of scouts were at the D2 All-Star Game, and you talk to them, and they're watching you kick all week, and whatever I don't know what you know notes they're making but um um I essentially made because I, I didn't sign any contracts after that nobody I went to the New York Jets um rookie camp for like one day but that's you know something pretty popular they do they bring guys in let you kick for a day see what's going on send you home yada yada um you know so I I at that time got um put up with uh, Paul Paul Sodden and I moved out to California from Minnesota um you know that was uh middle of the summer, middle of the summer in, oh, what, oh, three, and then, you know, was working and training and helping him with, with, with his kids, and, 
Uh, and then, you know, March or whatever, maybe when, when his free agent pro camp was, um, you know, like I said, I, I had that day, that A day, and and the next day, uh, going home on the airport, a good friend of mine at the time was Rodney Williams, who was a punter for the Giants. Um, and, I, you know, I had an agent, but I didn't know who to call. I, I didn't know, so, you know, I called Rodney because he was, he was a, a guy that was playing. You know, I could trust him, and I told him all this stuff, and, you know, he told me what to do. He told me about each of the teams and this and that, and, you know, so at the end of the day, I, we chose Cleveland, and um, one of the ones is that uh, they weren't going to send me to Europe. I was going to get a chance to stay over there. Um, also, financially, it was a better deal, uh, you know, from Cleveland up front. Um, so, I mean, there was a, some teams that wanted me to go to Europe. The Vikings wanted me to go to Europe. Um, a couple of the teams that wanted to sign me, you know, had great, great, great punters in place, and it just didn't seem like a good opportunity. So, so yeah, it was kind of that training, uh, you know, and, and Chris and I had to, you know, kind of teach myself how to be a, you know, different punter. It's just, you know, what are they looking for? Uh, instead of trying to kick the snot out of the ball every time, it was how can I do this, uh, you know, seven or eight times out of ten instead of, you know, two or three. Yeah. That was, so, yeah. Ex- hey, Ryan, explain to not only listeners but to us as well, like explain um, the NFL Europe process to the layperson and explain, like, you know, what the average salary was for the punters and kickers and maybe even yeah. did you get play against Vinatieri because he was there for a year too. Uh, yeah, uh, he was there pre uh you know before me but um the uh so the NFL Europe at the time I played you had to be allocated by an NFL team so there wasn't any like open tryouts uh you know you couldn't just you know whatever show up and uh, so everybody was allocated by a team and then they had they had a draft uh separate draft so then you get drafted to the teams, uh, but the kickers—it was—it was another meat market, man. We had—I uh, don't know—there was probably six or eight, maybe eight teams or eight teams, six teams. Uh, anyways, I bet there was fifteen, you know, punters, kickers, and the guys that were there were like the guys. That everybody knew everybody. You know, I know who you are. You've been here. You know, so it was like four days of just snap and kick, and it was like, like I said, a meat market, and then. The NFL coaches chose the six guys or the last number of guys that they wanted to go over there. So it was like they were picking. Then the NFL Europe teams got to pick from those players that they chose to, to make it. So then I got you know chosen to go to Amsterdam. And uh, great, uh, gosh, great, you know, great city. And not just like, you know, everybody jumps at the at the downtown and the red light, you know, stuff, but like <laughs> an awesome, <laughs> but you know, you, but you can't, you can't, you can't not notice that. You know, that's something that it's there. Uh, but like, you know, uh, Kurt, uh, Kurt Warner played there. Um, I, I was lucky enough to play. I mean, I grew up in Wisconsin. I was a huge Packers fan, but I loved Walter Payton. I loved watching Walter Payton when I was, when I was young, growing up, even though the Packers and the Bears were just, you know, just hated uh, rivals, and uh, our running back when I was in Europe was Jarrett Payton, Walter's son, and and Jarrett's mom, uh, Connie, was there the whole time and got to like totally uh, learn about you know Walter and what kind of guy he was and stuff he would do, and so that was just a really cool uh, experience. Um, you know, we lived in hotels, so like in the NFL, the guys don't live in a hotel; they're gonna have their own houses or apartments or whatever. So they're you know we were hanging out with each other. 
uh, you know, after the games and practices. Um, uh, who else is playing over the there? Same, uh, the same NFL balls? Like, uh, explain like, yeah, some of just, the rules. Yeah, about. same ball, you know, just different stamp, obviously. Um, uh, stadiums are, you know, are incredible. The soccer, soccer arenas are just are phenomenal. Um, crowds, you know, you know, were, I would say, you know, average, you know, 20,000, 30,000. When we played in Frankfurt, Frankfurt, Germany had a team. Uh, there's a there's a military base, American military base in Frankfurt, so that game was just slammed. I mean, it was wild. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, was good, it was a good time. And I, and I, I remember one thing that stood out uh, in general with Europe was, um, you know, you take like a Raiders game, which everybody thinks, you know, the Raiders games are, don't go to Raiders game because everybody's nuts and this and that. And, you know, fans are crazy about their teams in, in all cities, but, I mean, literally you go to stadiums uh, in Europe, so there's, a lot of a lot of trains drop off fans at the stadium. A lot of train, a lot of, that's the way people get there. Uh, and they'll have a second, they'll have two two trains, or a second train will drop off the visiting fans. And literally, the visiting fans have no interaction with the home fans. They're fenced off. They take a separate exit when they're wow. inside the, inside the stadium. Yeah, they're fenced off, and there's a fence over the top of them to protect them from stuff being thrown. I mean, it is nuts. Uh, that really shocked me. I was like, dang. And when I got to see my first, like, true soccer game, not, you know, our soccer, you know, their football, of course, um, I was just like, I was in awe. I just fell in love with soccer and wasn't a soccer guy, you know, at all growing up. So, awesome, awesome experience. I don't know if I'll ever get back to Europe. And now that I appreciate that, uh, yeah, no, that was, that was really cool. Great experience. Nice. So, just want to go back to just the league. Um, you kind of said, you know, the guys that tried out, you know, were all kind of names that maybe had been cut before and trying to make it back. Who were some yep. of the uh, Who were some of the kickers you were competing against or played against in NFL Europe that that probably the common NFL fan would know? Were there some big names um, there that, that you were? I see. Uh, punters like uh, B.J. Sander was over there. He played for the Packers for for a while. Um, another punter that he didn't play that year, but he played in the NFL uh, was Philip uh, Filipovic. Oh yeah, uh, good, good punter. Um, kickers, uh, Todd France. I think Todd France got to play a few games in the NFL. He played in the arena leagues too. Arena leagues, you're right. Played in arena leagues. Um, my kicker, who ended up, you know, being a fairly you know, close friend that we keep in touch, is uh, was Chris Snyder. He played at played in Montana. Um, uh, let's see other other kickers. Jimmy Jimmy Kibble was a kicker who I think he you know he doesn't do kicking camps, but he has his own like you know combine uh, pro, pro, program. Um, you know it's funny because it's like twelve years ago. I'm having a hard time remembering. So, here, here's a random question for you: When you were traveling Europe, or like when you were in Europe playing NFL ball, NFL Europe ball, what was like the most popular city, or like what what was your one location that you remember that was like, man, that was awesome visiting that and, and the attractions and stuff. Yeah, I mean, besides, you know, being where, where we were, which we were away from the downtown, which is probably a good thing. Yeah. Uh, keeping everybody out of the red light district. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I, I, I really loved, uh, we got to play in, in uh, Berlin. Uh, you know, so the, the, the history of that arena with the, with the Olympics and, and um, 
just an incredible stadium. And then we got a chance to see the city and you know, the, the, the ruins and the stuff they still have up from, from the World War II, uh, you know, kind of really, you know, set in and gave you a, uh, you know, gave you chills at, at some, at some point, but it, I guess the history of it was such a nice, awesome, uh, experience. Nice. How about, uh, any big name NFL athletes that came out of NFL Europe around the time that you played? Any, any, any ones that we would know? Um... I played with, uh, well, Jarrett Payton, he got to play. Uh, Ruvel Martin, who ended up, I think he played for the Packers for a while, a wide receiver. Uh, my quarterback was Kurt Kittner. Uh, he played for the Falcons, he was with the Falcons and the Bears. Yeah. Uh, Dave, Dave Ragone was a quarterback for Berlin. I think he's an NFL quarterback coach now, uh, if I'm not mistaken. And he was with the Texans, I think, for a while. Uh, um, let's see. Uh, Berlin, uh, Berlin. That was Dave Ragone. There was a f- I know a few more guys that, that made it. I'm having a hard time. Uh, Hamburg was a, was a team. Cologne had a team. Yeah, you know what's cool is like when you came and helped out at, at uh, Chris's camp this past summer up in Minnesota. We did a four day camp up there, and you brought yeah, your, your world championship great. ring. And all these these college and high school kids were just, you know, jaw dropped. Even us staff guys were. That was pretty cool. Like maybe talk about real quick, like the '05 season and, and the World Championship. Yeah, and it's funny how you know, if you just physically look at, you know, the and it, yeah, it's 12 years, 10, 12 years ago. If you physically look at the ring, I mean, I think I've seen the high school, like you know, Texas and California state championship football rings, you know, like dwarf this NFL Europe. <laughs> Uh, championship ring kind of make it look like you know you don't belong in this in this category but I mean uh, you know for, for me that that experience and and uh, you know it was also a, not just individually but an experience that like this team that really fit and gelled and came together and played for each other and I mean as cliche or corny as I can say it was like it was really awesome because when it when it clicks and it works it just it does like you know it and and it was just a great, uh, a great team uh, to play with, and uh, um, you know, traveling around in, in trains and and uh, living in the hotels, you know, with the other guys, and also you know, keeping in touch with the people back home. Uh, uh, not just like you know, I was allocated by the Seahawks, so keeping in touch with them, but also you know, just like family and friends, and everybody would tell me how they're watching the games, and it's like six o'clock in the morning. They got to go, you know, ask the local restaurant to turn the game on, uh, just so they can see it. And 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 then my first, you know, the World Bowl, the World Championship was my first. Uh, uh, you know, in college we never made it to like a World Series or a national title game. In high school I played in a state tournament, but we never played for championships. It was my first, you know, championship. So like, you know, the hype for me was incredible. And then, uh, you know, when you have. Uh, God dang it! What's his name? Shaggy, man. Shaggy was a halftime entertainment. So you got Shaggy. You got Shaggy playing at your at your at your bowl game. Yeah, you, you can't you can't go wrong. It was it was great. It was hilarious. I but think, I think people need to know like this is legit. I mean, this wasn't like nothing against the AFL and the Arena League that I played in, but this is like NFL Europe. I mean, these are basically 
the six to yeah, eight I know a bunch of these guys were going to go back, and you know, not a lot of these guys made the teams. I mean, not not maybe some superstars, but you know, legit NFL uh, talent. And if you know, now that I've played college, played NFL and, and NFL Europe, I mean, it's pretty doggone close. It'd be like saying, you know, you're between AAA and majors. Um, you just don't have the consistency up and down the board. But I mean, it was. 70, 60-some thousand people, uh, you know, everybody going going nuts. And the, and the game was actually crazy, you know, crazy close. Long story short, I mean, we're up, and it gets down to, you know, I, I put a pooch punt down to, like, the four-yard line. Uh, and they were playing catch-up, but they were, they, were, they were coming back. They scored, and we had a big lead early. And so with maybe a little over a minute left, we pooch-kicked it down to about, the, like I said, about the four and no kidding, they drove the whole length of the field. And the last play of the game was a pass to the back back of the end zone and it just got knocked down. So it was one of those games where it's, you know, it's tight and then all of a sudden, bam, it's over and everybody hits the field and you're running and you got the, you know, I was the one of the ones carrying an Amsterdam flag around, running around the field. Uh, nice. Great, 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 great fans. They love, and they still love, you know, football, uh, American football over there, so. Right, Chris, that was cool. Chris, you got a question? Yeah, so, all right. A few questions here, and then I want to roll into just uh, hearing a little bit more about the NFL career. Um, so, what, what did you do from a lifting training standpoint? And actually, I guess this kind of rolls over to kind of just your pro career as a whole. What did you do to right. maintain your body and, and keep your leg in shape and all that sort of thing? Yeah, I mean, uh, Talking to some of the guys that were, or, or you know, learning from from the other people, being being a sponge. I mean, uh, obviously it worked out before, but you know what I had to become and what I believed in was changing my mechanics of my swing. Once I saw the consistency and the, and the, and my balls become, you know, uh, much more NFL ready kicks was sort of training to become, you know, kind of like a like a sprinter, uh, training for speed, uh, leg speed. I mean. Uh, that uh just you know like squatting or deadlifting or whatever heavy leg exercise i can do i mean i i did all those but actually studied it and learned what, what do i need to do and hearing from these people like listen you, you need you need to get your legs faster uh in order to create you know uh more speed uh, to hit that ball higher and farther and um and you know and it made sense to me and that's what i focused on and i was you know very self-motivated and, and one, and I remember when I when I moved out, when I left and just moved to California, because you know I had a, a degree. All my buddies were going to Minneapolis to, for jobs, and they were gonna, you know, you know, have a good time, start careers. And I said, listen, if you're gonna do this, there's no, you know, kind of going, uh, you know, half-ass about it. You've got to, you've got to get after it. You got to, you got to learn what, what you can and see what you can do here. I, basically, I was giving myself a year. I said, look, I want to go out there for a year and see what happens. Um, so, uh, yeah, man, I mean, even, the, even at the four day camp that you came and coached at, you know, I mean, you, you were still rocking a six pack. Uh, I mean, I, I think you're in your, aren't, aren't you in your late thirties or early forties? Yeah, uh, late, late, thir- late thirties. Yeah. yeah you're like 39, uh, it's just, 38. It, yeah. It's like, a way of, it's a way of life now. And it's great. Cause I can, you know, help yeah. other people with that. Yeah, I get and, to teach the class at school. And Doug, you're um, still, you know, you're, but, you're still yeah, hitting like four, 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 five hangs. You know, like, like you hadn't punted in like, I think 
eight months or something like that, and you were still crushing them, you know? <laughs> no, it's, uh, you know, as you be, it's, I hate to say, like, it's like riding a bike, because everybody says, you know, you're looking for a better statement, but it's like, the cool thing about it was that when I you know, go to those camps and I start dinking around and playing, like, you start thinking again, and, like, the motor starts going, like, okay, this is what you're doing, this is what you need to work on, and it makes me want to, to kick more to correct something um but that's like that's uh that's what you got to have and that's what it takes i mean uh you've got to god it's, it's so tough for kickers and punters and you know and snappers when when you're looking at the nfl level uh nobody's keeping two of them very rarely uh when you got four five six receivers on a team and 32 nfl teams i mean you got 200 receivers in the league and 32 punters or kickers and it's just like it's so doggone cutthroat it's like you've got to really do something to stand out uh it's almost sickening it's tough man it's nice. tough it's, it's a tough world nice well hey ryan so we got a few more questions for you and then we're gonna end the segment on some quick rapid fire questions just some fun stuff about nice the nfl nfl europe and all that sort of thing so you obviously had a great year. You won the uh, World Bowl. Um, the Packers brought you in soon after that, right? Did they just sort of decide to draft, uh, sign you based off your performance in the league, or how did uh, kind of the rest of your career wrap up after that for goal? Yeah, yeah. So you know, Cleveland, which was um, all off season uh, training camp, practice squad, um, and then Seattle, and then that was Europe, and then. Uh, training camp, and then that's uh, uh, start of season was my was my shin injury, uh, the fracture to my to my right tibia, which was my plant plant tibia. And, and if I if I'm going to go back to like the medical and, and health stuff, is that you know taking care of of your body, not just you know like with nutrition, but you know uh, kickers, punters, guys out there, you've got to. You've got to ice. You've got to. You've got to. Uh, you know, foam roll, myofascial. You've got to yoga. You got to stretch because you could work your butt off. You know, for years, and then all of a sudden, you know, one silly injury uh, sets you back. And you know, for me, uh, yeah, it was like you know a setback. But then, I, yeah, I obviously, you know, got get healthy again, and and then uh, Green Bay signed me in the off season. Um, but I can't say that it was what I didn't do or if it was just one of those things that was, you know, the way God was working is that, you know, the injury came back uh, at the end of training camp that year and then and I was released and then it was, uh, you know, kind of this kind of bummer downfall a little bit until I got to go with the Niners and the Raiders. But, I mean, taking care of your body as a kicker or a punter, I mean, the, the, the violence, in the swings of the kicking and the punting is you know, doing this over and over. My the the surgeon that fixed me with the NFL NFL's group down in Birmingham, Alabama. You know, like I said, if nobody touched me. He said, you know, over the years of you pounding this foot into the ground and, and swinging your other leg and the stress that it puts on your plant leg, he's uh, you know, he said you can't believe um, you know the stress and your 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 bone just couldn't hold it anymore and. and it, Go the other way, and, and but you know I worked at it 
got back and got a chance to go to Green Bay, and then he thought it was going to be perfect because, you know, kid grows up an hour from Green Bay, cheering for the Packers, you know, and now he's, now he's playing for the Packers, and um, they had let, <clears throat> let um, one of the other punters go to bring me in, so it kind of, you know, gave me, gave me confidence, and, and, you know, unfortunately the, the injury resurfaced again, you know, later, but um, uh, it, it's, you know, it also, it's also a fraternity in the profession, even like Brian, I'm sure you with the arena leagues, once you get in, you know, the, the teams know who you are, so when they're looking for somebody, there's kind of this group of guys that, that might get that chance, and that's motivation to, you know, to get there because, mm-hmm. you know, we've all trained with guys that think, I can't believe that guy is playing in the NFL. <laughs> or, or you've also trained with guys like, I, I can't believe that guy isn't playing in the NFL, you know, like for what he can do or kick or whatever. You know what I mean? It's, there's yeah. both sides to it. So yeah, I think even when I was brought in uh, as an emergency kicker, when I was 28, 29 in the arena leagues, that you know, I guarantee you there were 24-year-olds like, man, how's he still getting? How's he still getting in there? And one of the things was is I had I had networks, I had, I had coaches that trusted me and exactly and like okay, like yeah, he may not have the strongest leg, but I know he's gonna come in and make all his pats and and hit some onside kicks or maybe hit the bar. So like same thing with with some of these vets, you know, like Phil Dawson and, and even like, sure. like Novak and some of these guys like that are quote unquote old, like sometimes a team just needs a guy to come in and make his kicks. Yeah, because they know they've been there before. I, after I left Seattle, you know, because I was hurt when they released me when I was healthy, um, you know, but they sent me to Europe, invested in me. And then uh, the punter they had, who I believe, who was what they had, Leo Ergoos maybe? start the year he it wasn't wasn't working out so they had a workout in season for a new punter and then these are big ones i mean you bring somebody in this is a chance to get a job mm-hmm. and you know i came in along with uh rodney williams you guys remember tom ruin he punted forever uh you know good punter and a couple other guys and in the workout you know essentially i i won the workout if you took the statistics and just put it on paper um and in the end, it was between myself. They sent everybody else home, and they kept myself and Tom Ruin. And they went with him because, you know, he'd been doing it for 14 years, and they didn't want to have to worry about, hey, maybe this guy looks like he's good, but he's never – we don't really know who he is. He hasn't performed consistently at the NFL level, and and that's who they go with, and that's what happens. You're right, Brian. Nice. So that actually leads into my last question here, and then I just have some just some quick fun – Rapid-fire questions. When right. did you realize that career was over, or the dream was over? You know, you kind of had some trials and tribulations throughout your career. When did you kind of realize it was time? Yeah, you know, trying to make that hard push and and, and having the opportunity, like I said, with the coming back the '07 season with the Niners and the Raiders, and then you know I'm thinking, okay, everybody sees my name out there. Uh, you know, I'm healthy. They know I had an injury. Um, I had maybe six or seven, uh, you know, workouts where teams flew me in as far as the sign. And then uh, there was one I went to a the free agent, you know, camp and had another like one of those A-day type of workouts. And it was like nobody even wanted to say hi to you. And, you know, so it just felt like, and, and I get it, you're a punter with a, with a leg injury, uh, you know, but it's like at that time I knew it's like if I'm performing well, if I'm, on practice squads, and you know, nobody's pulling the trigger. Uh, you know, you got to face it. It's just, it's not going to happen. And that, that was just tough to swallow for a while, you know, because you wanted, 
you wanted that one more chance to maybe, you know, if nothing else, to fail. But, uh, you know, God works in crazy ways. And, and, you know, through this move to California, I met my wife. My dad was a career principal and teacher. And I told my dad I'd never do what you do for the time you put in. I don't want that. Sure, sure enough, you know, here I am. I'm a, I'm a principal and uh, and trying to help help kids and in, in, in their dreams and stuff. So it's, yeah, pretty funny how God works in time. So that's, that's uh, I'm okay. Nice. I'm okay with it now. <laughs> yeah. Well, we all know the dream ends at some point, and it's for the athletes that's competitive, it's hard to swallow. So got a few sure. questions for you quick answer and uh these are just kind of fun ones that i thought about here as we're discussing all right all right let's rock as it. you were in europe what was your favorite nfl stadium or your nfl europe stadium to play in nfl europe stadium definitely uh is ajax 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 stadium that's amsterdam the home the home crowd that was awesome i've been there I've so been then there the before. nfl stadium what was your favorite nfl stadium uh you know, I wasn't playing for him, but crazy loud and crazy awesome fans was Arrowhead, Kansas City. Nice. Awesome. All right. Yeah. NFL Europe salary and NFL salary for you at the time, because we know these salaries have gotten bigger for specialists, but what was it like for you at the time? Uh, let's see. NFL, Mike, well, I don't remember the first couple, but the first one I know I ever signed was, was obviously a league minimum. That was 315. I don't know what league minimum is now. Uh, NFL Europe, I was like, was it like three, it wasn't crazy. It was like 3,000 a game, 2,500 a game. Yeah, so, so not, so not, not, not crazy with NFL Europe. Nice. <coughs> Sorry. In NFL Europe, they hook, they hook you up with a nice car, nice house, take care of your meals. What was it like there for uh, the, in the Europe? amenities, the hookups? Yeah, yeah in Europe. Oh, Europe, yeah, Europe was just hotels, and we got, like, uh, train passes. Uh, the Browns, when I was playing in Cleveland, uh, Browns, as far as, like, um, you know, hosting, taking care of their players, great job. I had, when I was there, had actually had, like, a truck, little townhouse. Uh, very, very good, very good job taking care of their players. That was, that was, that was pretty cool. If you didn't nice. play in the NFL... Uh, what other? What would you be playing professionally if you weren't if you weren't punting? Oh, oh shoot! Well, I hope maybe I get get a chance maybe play uh, play baseball. That was one of my other dreams growing up. Pitching? Playing for the Brewers, the Brew Crew, Milwaukee Brewers. There you go. <laughs> That's right. Nice. Favorite city to visit in Europe, not related to football. Uh. Not related to football. Oh, we went to uh, took a trip to uh, Brussels, Belgium. Beautiful oh, city. Nice, nice. Yes, wow. beautiful. Yeah, awesome. Did you do Oktoberfest while you were out there? <laughs> no, but I think about like the beer fest movie and and all that. Get, uh, definitely got to see a couple like festivals and stuff like that, but nothing, you know, to the extent of uh, of that. Yeah, that would have been pretty pretty. Uh, pretty magical well when you played it was in the spring wasn't it uh yeah like so the world bowl was like the first week of june so we went you know april may june march april may yeah yeah so so the tulips those two the tulips in in amsterdam flowers everywhere so hypothetically 
and this probably happened actually, is a guy would go play NFL Europe in the spring, finish in the summer, and then go make a team in the NFL in the fall. He practically played like 10 months out of the year. Yeah, I remember actually the day, so we had won the World Bowl, fly back all the way to America, and the Seahawks, we had to, the guys that run the Seahawks, we had to be there for OTAs. Like, so the day that I got back, we had an OTA. I remember going in and watching film with the punters and kickers, uh, like when we got back off the airplane. There, there was no break at that one. That was crazy. That's pretty crazy. Nice. All right, my last two rapid-fire questions. Any game tackles? <laughs> Any game tackles? Yes, yes. Uh, How many got? Probably, probably more spectacular would be getting juked. Uh, Don, you guys remember Dante Hall? Probably returner from yeah. the Chiefs. Yeah. 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 If you could dig, if you could dig that footage out, you you see a near ACL, ACL tear from Dutton. That'd be that'd be one to show. That'd be one to one to fire. <laughs> if you nice. were to golf somewhere, yeah, where would you want to go? Last golf? one that I got. I, got, I just asked. Have you? Excuse me. Excuse me. Yeah. Uh, if you were to golf somewhere, where would you golf at, Dutton? Or, uh, well, be, uh, I live in California, but never got to go there. I'd love to play uh, Pebble Beach golf course. So, nice. but, yeah, I'm not sure I'd re- I'd share my score, but would love to play there. <laughs> nice. All right, my last one that I got, and I don't know if Brian's got any more, but do you own or did you own any records while you were in Europe or at NFL or even at Mankato State? Any any punting records? Uh, records, records. Uh, well, I, uh, I think it's ah, well. As far as last year, when I was back for the Hall of Fame at Mankato, the longest punt still stands was seventy-eight yards, I believe. Nice. But as far as NFL or NFL Europe, I don't think so. I don't know what Admirals. My longest punt there was like sixty, sixty-one. Or but as far as official record, no, it'd be the. Uh, It'd be the longest punt because of the most. I, for a while, I had the most passing attempts in a game. <laughs> we played. We played North Dakota State one one game, and we threw the ball all over the place. But that's no longer a record; it's been passed. So, well, man, this has been an awesome interview. I think it's going to be great for our audience, especially folks that um, that either didn't know anything about NFL Europe or they heard about it and wanted more details. I think um, you provided a lot of good information. Uh, whether it just be about historical stuff or, or even just to help specialists out. And uh, Chris and I really appreciated you being on the 4th Down Experience podcast. Hey, man, I, I had a blast. And it's it's quiet here in the house, so either everybody's <laughs> asleep or the kids are just pretending they're drawing on the walls or something in the other room. So, <laughs> so nice. I, well, we, I really appreciate it, too. I look forward to seeing you guys. at hopefully get to see you at, the, at, the, at some camps here this next next year again. Yeah, and yep. uh, if you guys want to follow uh, Dutton on Instagram, it's D-U-T-T-O-R-19, uh, is that right? Yep, yep, Dutton 19 that's right. 19 and uh, um, we, you know, we'll have the podcast up and going, um, and you guys can follow him there. He's going to be at our camps in the future. Uh, he's been at a few of our camps in the past, and the guys just love him, uh, especially punters and holders. Um, but, uh, Chris, you got anything else you, you got? No, man, thanks. This was great. Love the information, love the insights, and uh, looking forward to seeing you at some camps here in the future. And we'll, uh, yeah, man, same here. Man, what a great interview with Ryan Dutton, just a good friend of ours and a lot of experience uh, with NFL Europe, the NFL, and he's even been at some of our camps coaching, and uh, we, we stay in contact with him almost every single day. 
we have a little group Snapchat between a few of us coaches, and it was really great just to catch up with him, Chris. It sure was. Uh, awesome interview. We will keep you posted because Brian and I will be announcing soon some of our summer camps, and we're hoping to have Ryan involved as well. So, um, But my first time meeting him was last summer, and he did a fantastic job working with our punters. So, Man. More to come. So, Chris, like, you know, Tim talking about Europe and where you went and the things that he liked, the stadiums and the different cities. Like, if you were playing in NFL Europe, like, is there a particular country or city that you'd like to visit if you're over there playing? Just in general or if I was playing in the league? I don't know. I mean, they play in NFL Europe. So, like, if you had a chance to get over in Europe and, and visit some countries, is there a specific spot? Well, I remember – in NFL Europe, I believe there was a Barcelona team. I think they're called the Barcelona Galaxy. Mm-hmm. And I've had the chance to visit that city, and it's a fantastic city. So I'd probably say I would want to play in the Barcelona Stadium. Nice. Uh, with, uh, where the Galaxy played. Very cool. I've, I've been to the Netherlands, and uh, but I'd, I'd really like to, to go to Germany. That'd be fun to visit Germany for sure. Yeah, that's a fantastic country as well. I've seen a few cities over there. Cool, so we're going to um, go ahead and transition into our third segment, which is industry advice. And today's topic, um, some may perceive it as boring, but it's definitely not boring. It is very important in the kicking game for snappers, kickers, and punters. You have to stretch. You have to be flexible, and you have to do it for a long time if you want to kick and punt and snap for a very long time. So our topic today is going to be a little bit of a shorter uh topic but it's really important and we hope you guys listen because stretching is super important especially during the quote-unquote colder months of our off-season process exactly so let's just start off uh just touching on various subject matters of stretching so one of the biggest things that we have seen brian and i over just the eight years of instructing and, and teaching kids just proper stretching fundamentals is the concept of stationary stretches versus dynamic stretches. And first of all, Brian and I are not subject matter experts on stretching. We know a lot. So if you really want to improve your stretching game, I, we would inquire and, and, and suggest that you go find a personal trainer in your city or state too. But some of the things that we've learned here, guys, is, is what we want to talk about. So stationary stretching versus dynamic stretching. Station, stationary stretching is basically the concept of holding a stretch for 10 to 30 seconds, maybe even a minute. Very popular way back in the day as, as a way to stretch. And we've seen over this last basically decade is this change to having a dynamic type of stretch, which is basically a stretch where you're holding it for somewhere between two, three, four, five seconds max. And you're quickly moving back and forth, and it's almost like just that quick quick stretch going back and forth and, and stretching that particular muscle that you're working on. Yeah, you know, both are effective. I think it's more of like a preference thing or maybe someone that you're training with. Uh, personally, I like getting nice and warmed up for about 10 minutes, 15 minutes, and then and then doing some solid stationary stretches. However, um, both warm-ups are effective. All right, yep, exactly. And it's really crucial uh, in the wintertime. You know, whether you're in the south or the west coast or especially up, obviously in the north or in the east coast, um, in, in, in the central part of the states, you guys, you need to make sure you're stretching. But it's not just the winter time. You need to make sure you're doing it year-round. Uh, but this is a time where, you know, some guys will take about two weeks off 
from kicking, punting, and snapping just to give themselves a break. But I will warn you, do not take much longer than three weeks off because that's enough for you to start losing some muscle memory stuff. So take a couple weeks off and then get back into it. Exactly. So over the winter time, since we're, we're entering winter, you know, in, in some states we've already got snow on the ground, um, let's talk about a few other things that you can do to just work on developing yourself, being a better kicker and punter. Uh, one particular thing that, that I found important that, and that we're doing here up in Minnesota is working back on the fundamentals of, of your kicking, punting, and snapping, but then going back to really working on, on stretching again, but also developing an agility program where you're working on developing those fast twitch muscles again. So some things that, that we like uh, and that are important for you guys to do back home is do things like any, uh, any sort of lift or mobility work that involves a single leg movement. You know, maybe you're doing a single leg squat, single leg bounds, just anything like that. Because really when you're kicking and punting, you're on one leg. You know, you're not really on both legs ever unless you're in that starting position. Um, other things that help guys are doing plyometric works. So maybe box jumps, jumping up and down, moving your feet back and forth, running through ladders, anything that really helps you develop the fast twitch muscles. So those are a few things that will just can give you a quick start on something. And, and most of those things you can do at home, in your basement, your garage, your backyard, wherever. And then we'd encourage you guys to find a personal trainer in your, in your area, and they can help you develop more of a, a structure format. Yeah, and, and plyometrics are huge, especially with kicking and punting. And, and, and literally, if, if you wanted to just take the shortcut, you can go to YouTube and just type the word plyometrics. And the first video that popped up, I'm actually watching it right now as we're talking, it, this guy has listed like 20 different exercises and he's demonstrating them. And it's stuff that you don't need like a bunch of equipment for. You could do it in your garage, you know, or, or wherever you work out at. And uh, plyometrics are really, really important because it helps uh, create um, explosiveness uh, between your legs and, and uh, you know, which means you don't have to go and squat 500 all the time, you know, do something different. And plyometrics is very common uh, with helping kickers and punters be more explosive. Exactly. I remember back in high school and early college when plyometrics were, and box jumps were really becoming popular, I used to use my staircase, just the first step or two of my stairs, and I used that. Even using a piano bench from our house to just to do some of the movements of moving my feet up and down and things like that. So you guys can, there's a lot of things around your house that you can most likely use to simulate a box jump, you know. And, uh, you know, ladders are great, too, because you can really work on your foot quickness. Um, the, the quicker your feet are, the more athletic your footwork is, the, the quicker you're going to get to the ball on kickoffs and, and be just more athletic and position yourself to, to get farther kicks and higher kicks. Uh, and also um, pool workouts. Pool workouts are huge. Uh, that's, that, that coincides with stretching. You know, just as long as you're getting in the pool and you're doing half swings, um, we're actually going to do an industry advice segment on a future podcast solely on pool workouts. So we're not going to go too in-depth here, but, but definitely getting in the pool this offseason uh, will help you out as well. The last thing I just wanted to talk about that just ties into stretching, guys, is making sure you develop a strong core. So you have good core stability when you kick, when you pump, when you snap. And that involves not only just doing crunches and developing that strength in the front core in your hip flexor area, but also developing st strength and stability in your back as well. And then also having 
proper range of motion in your back, and this is very important for snappers as well, because you can't have a tight vertebrae, you know, while you're trying to snap and, and come up and through your snap as well. So, a lot of things that are important for all kickers, punters, and snappers in having that range of motion in your back, you know, as well as your legs and, and, and core and everything like that. Yeah, and, and guys, so... So, uh, really, if you really guys nice. are looking for a good stretch and warm-up routine, um, I had one developed for me when I pursued the NFL, um, and I put a portion of that stretch routine on YouTube. So if you wanted to do a, if you wanted to utilize this, just go on YouTube and search "best warm-up for kickers, punters, and long snappers," and you'll find a five-minute stretch routine that will really help you um, increase stability, flexibility, and range of motion in your hips, your core. And your, and your legs. Yeah, it's called the best warm-up for kickers, and it has uh, almost 7,000 views. Um, the thumbnail is a kid wearing yellow shorts. I've showed several kickers and punters at camps uh, with and without Chris. I've showed them this video, and we've actually had a lot of really positive feedback, uh, folks saying that this really helped them. And you will get a little bit of a sweat doing this warm-up. However, that you should get a sweat when you're warming up. So we really hope that this helped you guys out. I know it was a shorter segment. Um, but again, stretching is key for kicking and punting and snapping and uh, creating more mobility and flexibility will help improve your form. And uh, again, this has just been a really fun f uh, podcast for us, episode six, uh, a lot of great content. And we really hope you guys enjoyed hearing Coach Dutton's story. Yep. Thank you all for joining us. We will see you next week. Follow us on the Fourth Down Experience. Thank you for listening to the Fourth Down Experience. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at 4th Down Experience.